0: May be dismissed now. If you're normally in the children's class, Second Corinthians, chapter number five. Looking forward to uh, starting our new, new series for the next uh, month or so, and uh, right in the middle of this series, we'll uh, have a revival, and I think that's just perfect, uh, perfect timing. But I've entitled the series, "Will You Forgive Me? Will You Forgive Me?" and. Uh, you don't need to worry. I don't need to. Uh, I'm not this morning confessing any sin of any kind uh, to where you would need to forgive me. Rather, it is a uh, series that um, will will be on the topic of forgiveness. And here's what I'd ask you to do today. Um, I'd ask for you. There should be a pen in front of you uh, in in your pew. I want to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to take down as many of the as many of the Bible references that you can, maybe just one person in your family can do it or whatever. Um, that way you can, that way you can go back. I felt like the songs this morning were just beautifully selected for, uh, for this series, and um, I believe that uh, I believe that God desires to do uh, a mighty work um, in it and through it in your life, as well as uh, in my life. And uh, second. Corinthians chapter number 5, let's begin reading in verse number 18. Uh, if, you don't, if you haven't already, and you, um, we have some Bibles that are on order, and those will be in the uh, seats uh, here shortly, probably by next Sunday. But our church also has an app, and you can just look up Redwood Baptist on any of the different app uh, stores and uh, there is a Bible app that goes along with that as well, if, if, if that would uh, be beneficial to you. Second Corinthians chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. There you see restoration there, okay? And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Later on in the message, we'll kind of look specifically uh, at these uh, at these verses but my desire for the next um, five six weeks that we'll be looking at the idea of forgiveness is to give us a biblical study on the topic and uh, this morning i don't want to i don't want to give you anything other than what the what the word of god tells us and so we need to start off this morning with the foundation for all forgiveness what is the the foundation for all of it and so let's have a word of prayer and ask God to, uh, to to speak to us here this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your Word. Father, we thank you for the power that we can find through it and in it. And Lord, this is a this is a subject that, uh, Lord, many we 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 fight. And uh, the reason why is because we believe that we have been harmed some way, and uh, we uh, we don't want to forgive. And uh, Lord, I'll be the first one to admit that. And so, God, I need this message as much as anybody that's here does. And, Father, I pray that you would uh, speak, uh, Lord, through your word this morning. I pray that I'd be a vessel that, uh, Lord, that you, can, that you can use. Father, I pray that we would enjoy our freedom here this morning, our freedom to, to gather and to worship. And, uh, Father, we pray that, uh, Lord, you'd get the glory for everything that's said and done. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a man who dialed the wrong number, uh, and uh, he got this, the following message. I am not available right now, but I thank you for caring enough to call. I am making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If I do not return your call, you are one of those changes. Okay, so, hey, if you... If you email me, you text me, you call me, I don't get back to you, you're one of my changes, okay? But the reality is, is that God, God doesn't change. He never changes. The Bible tells us in Malachi, verse number three, verse six, chapter three, verse six, for I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So God, he never changes, but man's view of God frequently does. Their view is driven by man's fluid emotions and flexible morality. And as the world around us becomes increasingly permissive, it expects God to adjust with our moral shift. Specifically, sinners count on the Lord to take sin as carelessly and callously as they do. And they expect God and his forgiveness to be equally casual, which should be no surprise. But I want to ask you a question this morning as we kind of start this foundation for everything that this series will go into. I want to ask you this question. If you do not take sin seriously, how can you ever fully appreciate what it means to be truly forgiven? What do you think about that? If you and I, if we don't ever take sin seriously, then how will you and I ever be able to really, truly appreciate what the forgiveness of God means, okay? So let's start off with, first of all, a corrupt portrait of God. When God's forgiveness is reduced to a blind acceptance, it reflects a corrupt character of God's holy character, God cannot and will not ever free transgressors by casually dismissing or ignoring the evil that they've done. To do so would be unjust. And God is a God, hear me, of perfect justice. Okay? The Bible repeatedly, uh, literally talks over and over again about how God will deal with sin as well as sinners in Exodus 23. Verse number seven, you ought to take some of these references down as we, as we go through this, as, I, as we try to build a case for this. Keep thee far from a false matter, and the innocent and righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. God says that he's not going to acquit the guilty in Nahum, verse, chapter one, verse three. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the the wicked. Naturally, uh, uh, I want you to notice what Paul tells us in Romans 1. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Here's what you need to allow me to do the next 10 minutes or so. You need to allow me in love to nail you against the wall, okay? Will you let me do that? All right? And then I promise you, I'll let you up off the mat, okay? You just, you just let me do that, all right? God, God's wrath is poured out, it's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. God, this, or scripture, describes our relationship with God prior to Jesus, obviously getting way ahead of myself in the message, as you and I were his very enemies. We just sang about it with the song, Thank You, And how once we were his enemies, but now we're able to be seated at his table. But in Romans 5 verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, we were restored to God, we were forgiven by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. God, God hates sin. And therefore, all who sin have made themselves, hear what I'm about to say, God's enemies. Psalm 7 verse 11 says God judges the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. Those who violate some minor point of, excuse me, of God's law is guilty as if they had broken the entire law. James tells us in James 2 verse 10, for whatsoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point He's guilty of it all. The law—I mean, it's—it's it's, it's pretty radical, guys. And we could keep all of it, but one minute thing. And James tells us, Scripture tells us that you and I—we become guilty of the entire law. Please hear me. Sin is not a trivial thing. It's not small to God. All people, you and I, we're born with an insatiable desire for sin. Psalm 58, verse 3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born. Speaking lies. Now, not my four-year-old. That that, that kid's perfect, right? You know, as soon as you have kids and things like that, you know, your doctrine begins to change. But the Bible says, you and I, basically from the womb. David says another place, he was shaped in iniquity. In his mother's womb. Everyone is spiritually dead. Every single person is without hope. Hear that. Because every person is a sinner. Ephesians 2, verse number 1 says, In you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Were in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, by nature, by nature, we were born this way, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Paul continues down in Ephesians 2 and he tells us in verse number 12 that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having what? No hope and without God in the world. So you and I, in without, outside of Christ, and we're going to get to that in a moment, you and I, we are utterly hopeless, hopeless. You and I, we are so bent towards sin, that nature of sin. From the human perspective, this is truly a desperate state of absolute futility. God, on the other hand, is perfect. God, on the other hand, is infinitely holy. He's absolutely flawless. God is thoroughly righteous. Every single thing about God is perfect and holy and right. And God cannot violate his nature by just blindly pardoning sin. He can't just, ah, okay, it's all right that, you know, Ryan did this and Ryan did that. Oh, you know, it's okay that so and so this, you know, it's all right. We'll just we'll just forgive him. No, no, no. God's holy. God is righteous. God is pure. God is angry with sin and the wicked every single day. Proverbs 17 verse 15 says, He that justifieth The wicked, and he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. Boy, that goes on a lot today, right? Those that are wicked, I mean, they just are esteemed in our world today. And those that try to do right, they are mocked and they are scorned. His justice must be satisfied, hear me, by punishing every violation of his law. Excited yet that you're in church? And the due penalty of our iniquity is infinitely severe. It's what I preached on last week: eternal damnation. It's hell. It's hell. So that's that's the beginning of it. That's we often think God is just gonna ah, you know what? He'll just he'll just he'll just take care of all this. He'll just he'll just turn a blind eye to it. No, God does not turn a blind eye to it. Okay. So now let me give you secondly, what about the good news? What about the good news? The gospel. The gospel is the good news because it tells us that God justifies the ungodly. In Romans chapter 4 verse 5, but to him that worketh not. You and I, we can't work our way to heaven, but believeth on him that is justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. But how can God grant such forgiveness without compromising his, his stand of justice? How can can God possibly do that? Well, I want to pose this question to you this morning. How can he forgive sinners without breaking his own word, having already sworn that he will punish every transgression? Hasn't God already said that? God's going to take care of every single transgression, every single sin. How many of you in here, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have sinned this week? God is going to, he's already told us in his word. He doesn't miss those things. You and I, the Bible says in other places, we walk naked before the Lord. I mean, he he sees it all, guys. He sees every bit of it. And so how can God, won't he break his word if, if if he doesn't punish that? Well, let me give you the answer. The answer is this. God himself has made his son, Jesus Christ, the atonement or the punishment for our sins. See, the truth lies at the very heart of the gospel message. It is the most glorious truth of all of Scripture. It explains how God remains just while he is justifying the ungodly. Listen, you and I, we don't turn over a new leaf to get justification. No, no, no. You find justification in your ungodly state because that is every one of us. Romans 3, verse 25, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. We'll define that word here shortly. Through faith in his blood. We sang about his blood this morning. To declare his righteousness for the remission of our sins. He took our sins away that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So God is fully just. He's fully just in that he has punished his son, Jesus. And you and I then get justified when you and I believe in him. And it is only it is our only hope for any sinner that is seeking forgiveness. Listen, this is the foundation of it. Everything from weeks on end, it's going to build from this, guys. Everything. Is that you and I, we've got to understand this. Perhaps the most important single passage in all of Scripture is the one that we looked at to open up the service. I want you to look back there in your Bible, or it will be up on the screen here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself. By Jesus Christ, you and I—we were enemies, right? You and I—we were—we were were aliens. We learned earlier of the Commonwealth. In other words, we didn't belong. And yet, Jesus Christ—he reconciled us. He brought us nigh. You and I—we were forgiven in Christ, and had given to us. Here's where the rest of our series goes the ministry of reconciliation. You and I want to be men and women of restoration, men and women of forgiveness, men and women that look out against grievances against us and we extend that forgiveness. Why? Of course, because we have been forgiven. Verse 19, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. And so, because you and I have been reconciled, now you and I, we hold up the mantle of being men and women of forgiveness, men and women of reconciliation. God has a plan by which he can accomplish the very thing That seems so completely impossible. There is a way to satisfy his justice. Hear me. Without damning the sinner. He can both fulfill his promise of vengeance against sin. And extend complete forgiveness to sinners. He can remain just. While justifying the godly. We already looked at it. Verse 26 of Romans 3 to declare, I say at this time is righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Too many people think of divine grace or the grace of God as God simply excuses sin and he looks the other way. No. As if God as if grace is involved in lowering the divine standard in which God is asking us to live. Scripture teaches nothing of that, of that sort. Again, God himself was sworn that every single transgression, every single disobedience will receive a just penalty. Hebrews 2, verse number 2, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. In other words, it's coming due To look the other way would compromise God's own righteousness. So how does God reconcile sinners to himself? How is God completely just? How is he going to justify the ungodly if he's not going to punish, in a sense, the sinner? On what grounds can he extend forgiveness to you? What grounds can he extend forgiveness to me and to a world? And here we are. We're brought face to face with the need for atonement because every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us are owed a just reward, the recompense of our reward. We, 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 we should receive it. must fill the demands of justice by pouring out his wrath somewhere. It's either on you or a substitute. Someone who bears the sinner's punishment vicariously. Please hear me. It's exactly what happened on the cross. God's full wrath was poured out on Jesus. Hence, he's just because God said, "God said, I'm not going to wink at this stuff. I'm holy. I'm without sin. I'm righteous all the way through." God said, "And said, I can't just wink at it. I can't just, I can't just throw that under the carpet. Oh, that's what the world wants to do. The world just wants to give a, 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 a proper an character of God. Oh, that God's so loving. Oh, He is. He's so loving that He's going to." pour out his wrath. The Apostle Paul distills the whole gospel in one simple statement and it is back in our text, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Right there. So that leads me to Our third point, let's not have an improper portrait of who God is. God's holy, and God is just, and he's going to deal with sin. But the good news is, is that there is a substitute, and that leads to our third point here, grasping divine forgiveness. You and I, it's my prayer this morning that we would grasp it, because listen, if we'll grasp the power of this morning, you're going to be able to go and forgive. This profound truth is the key to understanding divine forgiveness. God made sinless Christ to be sin on our behalf so that we might become him in him, the very righteousness of God. Nick, can you go back to that verse real quick? For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Here's what I want to do. I want to try to explain that verse to you with basically one statement. And here's what I encourage you to do. I've never said this before, maybe I have, but I don't, you know. This next statement will help you understand that. I'd encourage you, take out a phone or something and take a picture of what you're about to see because here's why. In the coming days, in the coming weeks, You're going to need this verse. You're going to need what Jesus or what what God is telling us here. Here's what it is. God treated Christ like a sinner and punished him for all the sins of all who would believe so that he could treat them as a righteous and give them credit for Christ's perfect obedience. When Paul said God made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying that God the Father treated his son Jesus like the sinner, like the one that had been needing of punishment. And so that way you and I can then get the credit. for Jesus' perfect obedience. You know what's going to happen this week? Satan, who the Bible says is the accuser of the brethren, he's going to come along and he's going to start talking to you, like between these two ears, you know what I'm talking about? And he's going to start telling you how worthless you are. He's going to tell you how much of a pig you are. All different kinds of things. And you, you need to remember, you need to remember that Jesus Christ, who took all that shame. He took it all for you. He took it all for me. And you and I, you know what our current standing is before, before God in Christ. It the caveat is trusting Christ as your Savior. Our standing before him is, is his perfect record. That's what God sees. God treated Christ the way you should have been treated. So that you would never have to experience that. So you'd never have to experience his wrath. How many of you have some nasty skeleton in your closet? Jesus took care of that puppy. It's no longer there. He took the wrath for it. He took the punishment for that sin. And by the way, he took the punishment for the sin that you will commit in the days ahead. Because you and I will cease to be perfect. I want you to notice what Isaiah says here. Isaiah makes a staggering statement here. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The death of Christ pleased God. What? It pleased the Father. It's exactly what Scripture teaches. Repeatedly, the Bible says that Christ, he died as our propitiation. Romans 3.25, when God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. 1 John 2.2, and he is the propitiation for our sins, but not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Praise God, anybody can trust Christ as their Savior doesn't matter their background, their pedigree, what went on. Jesus Christ is our propitiation. 1 John 4:10. 10, here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation is a big Bible word. Here's simply what it means. It means total satisfaction of God's divine demands. Total satisfaction. God's demands were death. God's demands were punishment. God's demands were wrath for sin. And you know what the Bible tells us? Jesus Christ satisfied that demand. So you and I now can stand with no more condemnation before God in Christ Jesus. You and I, we stand forgiven because of Jesus. In the same way that the guilt of sinners was placed on Christ, his righteousness is placed on all who believe. As early as Genesis 15, we read about Abraham, and he believed in the Lord, and he it, and it counted it to him for righteousness. Romans 4.8, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Romans 4, if you look at the context of that, it's talking about Abraham. It's talking about Genesis chapter number 15. He uses, um, uh, Paul uses Abraham as justification as the model for how believers are to be justified. That means that every believer is forgiven immediately. Just like the thief on the cross when we went through our last series on our final destination, when we looked at that, that topic of heaven, instantly. This day thou shalt be with me in paradise, he says to the thief. So here's what that means. Forgiveness costs nothing. Why? Because it already costs Christ everything. You can't work for this forgiveness. You can't turn over a new leaf for this forgiveness. You can't conjure up some goodness and some love and some kindness out of your life to earn this forgiveness. It is wholeheartedly, completely, praise God, free. And you just claim it by faith. This faith is a refusal to trust anything other than Christ for salvation. This means the abandonment of self-righteousness and a single-minded reliance on Christ alone for our salvation i know i know we that have grown up in church we don't like hearing that we like hearing that it's all about us and that it's about our works and it's about how nice we are no it is all about jesus and it always will be it'll never become about us it'll always be him if you understand that you are a sinner and that you long for freedom and forgiveness from your sins come to christ Except Christ as your Savior. John 16, 35 says, And that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to him I will in no wise cast out. You and I will never be rejected by God when we come to Christ. When we come to God through Christ, our propitiation, God in his wrath is all poured out on Jesus. He is eager to forgive, he's eager to reconcile sinners to himself. Everything else in this series is a moot point if you don't understand this morning. If you don't understand that you've been forgiven by God in Jesus Christ, then forgiving others, (laughs) that will never happen the way it should. Forgiving yourself for sin that you have committed will never happen. Until you first and foremost realize that God has forgiven you. All Christians are forgiven an unpayable debt solely on the basis of what God Himself has done for us. That amazing gift of free forgiveness becomes the ground on which all other kinds of forgiveness are based and also the pattern for how we are to forgive others. Let me make this statement. If we keep in perspective how much God forgave and how much it cost him to forgive, we will soon realize that no transgression against us can ever justify an unforgiving spirit. I love you enough to say this to you. You're a radical sinner. Oh, not me, Ryan. You are a radical sinner. But you know what? You've been given a radical savior in Jesus. And you've been forgiven in Jesus. And so you and I, in the weeks ahead, they're not gonna be easy. I've been fought so much with this series by the devil. You and I, if we will understand that we've been forgiven, you and I understand what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You and I will, over and over and over again in our life, extend forgiveness. Oh, we're gonna have, we're gonna have some messages in this series. One in particular, answering the tough questions about forgiveness, like what if they don't repent. What if they're not sorry? Do I really have to forgive them? Or what if they keep doing the same thing to me over and over again? Do I have to forgive them? These are real questions that we ask. What if they've never said sorry? What if they don't even know that they hurt me? Am I then justified to just continue to carry it? No, we're not. You and I, we need to allow the Lord to work in our hearts in such a way To have him expose what we were before Jesus. Ungodly. You know how Peter described us? Peter described us as the same as those that were on the outside of the ark, pounding on it. Deniers of truth. That's what we were prior to Christ. God's forgiveness is the pattern for by which we are to forgive. It's the foundational truth on which all godly relationships are built and developed. It's based on forgiveness. For those of you that are desiring to be married someday, guess what? You're going to spend your life forgiving. All the couples said, amen? Appreciate a few of you. Man, this is a life of forgiveness. You want to know why? Because you are married to a broken person that messes up. Oh, no, not me. Definitely, not me. It's the other other half. It's more like me regularly. Hey, Sarah, hey, babe, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? And why can I do that? Why can she forgive me? Why can I forgive her? Because Christ has forgiven me. Because God has through Christ. I pray that that is your testimony. I pray that that would just fire you up for what God did for you in Jesus. I told you I'd nail you to the wall. But listen, I let you up in the fact that God poured his complete wrath out on Jesus, totally satisfied, and guess what? There's no more for you now. God's not up in heaven looking, oh, I can't believe you thought that, Ryan. Can't believe you did that, Ryan. No. In Christ, it's now completely changed. Some of you need to grab a hold of that this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to give you a moment, different type of invitation. I'm going to stop talking here in a moment, and I'm going to let you in your heart of hearts praise God for what he did to Jesus on your behalf. Why don't you talk to the Lord right now? Father, the, the more that you allow me the privilege of studying your word and preaching it to our people, Lord, the more I get excited that my salvation has nothing to do with me. And that it has everything to do with Jesus. God, because Lord, even my even my days that I would define as good days fall so radically short to the standard with which you really call us to live God that doesn't even take into account the bad days Lord I'm thankful that it's about your son Jesus I'm thankful for 1992 in August of 92 when I asked you to be my savior thankful that at that time this old enemy named Ryan was invited to your table. Lord, I pray that God we would that we would live in that freedom, that we would live in that forgiveness, that we would live in that no guilt in life, so that we can extend that to our brothers and sisters and to our enemies and to our neighbors in this world because God when we begin to understand theologically that we were exactly just like them and forgiven by someone that is so more holier than I how can we hold something on and not forgive Lord I pray that you'd help me through this series I pray that you'd help our church God, I pray that, Lord, individually that you would speak to hearts. I pray that you'd use the revival in the middle of this series to just do some plowing work in our hearts and in our lives. May we rejoice this morning in Jesus, our great Savior. And, Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You can look this way. I'm thankful for you being here and allowing me to start this series. I'm asking God to do a work in my heart as well, and not just, I mean, God put this series on